I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Public safety is an important issue for San Francisco voters, especially as we inch closer to the city's mayoral race next year. Mayor London Breed has been underscoring crime-fighting efforts under her administration, including bolstering the city's police department. San Francisco's latest class of police recruits, 28 people, is the largest the city's seen in three years. According to the mayor's office, job applications for SFPD have hit a five-year high. Breed spoke to the newest recruit in the police academy last Thursday. She promised to keep the department accountable and also celebrated their critical roles. I'm here to make sure that you know that the San Francisco Police Department is an important part of the city workforce, but it's an important part of the city. Beefing up the police department is also politically important for Breed, who has long said that San Francisco's public safety issues, like open-air drug markets and property crime, can be attributed to the city's police understaffing. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter J.D. Morris joins me to talk about the lead-up to next year's mayoral election and how crime and policing may factor in the race. Breed has quite an uphill battle to climb in order to keep her job. She needs to convince voters that she can manage the city well, despite the social and economic problems that have escalated under her leadership. J.D. will talk about who Breed's major challengers may be and how the politics of public safety in San Francisco could become a key liability for her re-election bid. J.D., thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Good to be back. J.D., you spoke to some political experts recently about Breed's re-election campaign. What do they say her chances are now? Well, it's no secret that Mayor Breed is unpopular right now, and her poll numbers are not good. When the Chronicle did a poll last year, less than a quarter of people polled thought that Mayor Breed was doing a good or excellent job at making the city a better place. There was a a recent poll that indicated 64% of residents did not want to see her be reelected. All of that said, though, the field is still taking shape. It's a long way away from election day. We're like 15-ish months out. The experts have been saying that while it wouldn't be surprising if she lost – she could also win. And there's a a very plausible scenario where that happens too. She's got a a pretty formidable base of support. And we don't exactly know the contrasts that her opponents are going to try to draw and who their supporters are going to be. And we don't even know everyone who's running yet. You know, another important thing to remember is that San Francisco has ranked choice voting. So Mayor Breed does not need to get 50% 50% plus one. She needs to get a pretty sizable plurality on first choice votes, about 30% of, of the first choice. And then if she gets enough second and third choice votes, that will carry her to the majority that she needs to win. Well, how are the criticisms of Breed's leadership already shaping up the race? I know we don't know all the challengers yet, but who are the ones that have emerged so far? And what's the case that they might make? So her main challenger right now is Supervisor Asha Safai, who is somebody who used to be an ally of hers on the Board of Supervisors and has kind of grown increasingly critical of her in recent years. He is not fully on her side, but he's not a progressive either. So the mayor comes from the moderate wing of San Francisco politics. Safai 
was elected running against a progressive. But I, I think what you're seeing from him is that he's kind of trying to appeal to both political camps. It's not like he's running to her right or running to her left right now. What I'm hearing from him most frequently is a overall critique of her management style and the way that she's run the city and her record. He talks about how he feels like she hasn't done enough to address retail crime, which has been a big priority for him. He talks about how he feels like he's a more collaborative leader than she is and that, you know, he'd be more willing to work with all sides to get things done. That's the kind of stuff that you're hearing from him. The other person who we know is out there who seems like is definitely going to run is Daniel Lurie, who's a philanthropist, an heir to the Levi Strauss fortune, and the founder and former CEO of Tipping Point, an anti-poverty nonprofit. But Lori has not actually announced his candidacy yet. It's sort of an open secret in San Francisco political circles that he's going to run. He considered running before in a previous election as well, but didn't actually do it. Seems like this time he's going to run. We don't really know yet where he's going to position his policies vis-a-vis the mayors. Mm-hmm. Well, J.D., since public safety has really just emerged as a central issue, and maybe some would argue that it is the central issue in the city right now, how has Breed's stance on public safety changed over the past year? She's famously called for a crackdown in the Tenderloin, and she's been trying to deal with open-air drug dealing in the area since 2021. Yeah, so I think you've seen her try various things. As you just referenced, she declared an emergency in the Tenderloin The main thing that came out of that was it had a few different names. The Tenderloin Center, the Tenderloin Linkage Center in United Nations Plaza last year that was set up. And that the idea there was to connect drug users in the area to services. And it ended up being a pretty controversial effort because they had a fenced-off outdoor area where – drug users were allowed to to use drugs. So the Tenderloin Center got criticized a lot for, for being a de facto supervised consumption site from people who didn't want San Francisco to have one of those. There were also a lot of other concerns with it as well. The low rate, I think, at which users were actually connected to treatment from that. Mayor Breed ended up shutting that down. And now you've seen really what I would say is a more aggressive law and order approach from her that's focused on prosecuting drug dealers and even trying to force drug users into treatment by arresting drug users and trying to use the criminal justice system to get them into treatment. While there have certainly been arrests that have been made from the data that I've seen so far, I I don't think we've seen any evidence that drug users are actually being connected to treatment from that approach yet, but it's early. They haven't been doing it for very long. That's been controversial as well, though. Well, at the same time, drug dealing arrests in the Tenderloin are up dramatically this year. Has her administration's drug policies helped gain breed some favor, you think? What do her supporters say? I don't know that there's been enough time yet, though, to really be able to assess whether this approach is working for her politically. 
certainly when it comes to the progressives, this is not something that they want to see. And when I was reporting my story, I did hear from somebody on the progressive side who was of the mind that this practice of using the police to crack down on drug users, that that might backfire on her and rally a lot of opposition against her from the left. The only thing I would note there is that, you know, she's not a progressive mayor, so progressives I were not going to support her reelection in large numbers. But there's no progressive opponent right now that's running against her. Well, the use of police, J.D., has been a really important part of this whole discussion about the crackdown in tenderloin and open-air drug markets. One area where Breed has recently claimed some signs of success is in police recruitment. She has long said that the city has been more vulnerable to crime because of understaffing in the police department. Why has recruitment been such a challenge in the city, and what kind of problems do people say it's caused? Folks were saying that for a while there, at least, San Francisco was not as competitive as it could be with other cities, other jurisdictions that were able to offer, you know, better pay, you know, better financial incentives to police officers. And then I've certainly heard from some folks that, you know, a lot of the anti-police rhetoric in San Francisco may have played a role as well. But recently, San Francisco has agreed to raise the pay for new starting officers and offer retention bonuses to try to be more competitive. They've been trying to step up their recruitment efforts. And then, like I said before, the mayor has really been embracing kind of a that tough-on-crime approach. She appointed Brooke Jenkins as district attorney after Chase Boudin was recalled last year. And Jenkins... One of her big promises was to prosecute more drug dealers and to be more aggressive on that front. The Breed administration is starting to see signs that it's possible, at least, that they're sort of the, the sum of all of their approaches on policing is adding up to more officers being willing to join the police department now. For Breed and, and her allies, this could be a big deal for them because they're argument has been that getting more officers on the street has been a big priority for them to address everything from the open-air drug markets to property crime. San Francisco has become politically divisive over issues of public safety and drug dealing. Could a progressive challenger emerge to challenge Breed? Chronicle reporter J.D. Morris shares after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. J.D. Morris, before the break, we talked about how staffing the San Francisco Police Department is important politically for Mayor London Breed. There are 15 months until the election, so voters will have 15 months to judge whether a more staffed police department is actually going to make a difference. Correct. I don't know that they're going to get all the way there by Election Day, nor are they promising to, though, to be clear. Like, the police department is currently short nearly 600 officers from an independent staffing analysis, and this latest academy class was like 28 
people. So they're not going to be able to close a, a 600 officer gap between now and election day. But I think probably what you'll see from them is pointing to things like that to say, look, we're working on this. We're trying to get to a better place. We're starting to see early signs of success. I think the argument that Breed and her allies are going to make is that she deserves more time to continue to work on these things where she's already seeing early hopeful signs of progress. Yeah, at the same time, Breed's attention to building the police force in the city comes at a really contentious time. J.D., the department is now facing a major scandal that has thrown more than 100 drug cases into question, and it could potentially undermine the mayor's crackdown. Tell me more about it. Yes, so the police department is reviewing 132 cases tied to veteran narcotics officer Christina Hayes, who is being investigated by the department over accusations that she had an inappropriate relationship with a confidential informant. 82 cases have been dismissed. We don't know, though, if those 82 are a subset of the 132. But this is a pretty big deal. It's a lot of cases. This is definitely one of the bigger scandals that we've seen at SFPD in a while, and it's just not at all the position that the city wants to be in at a time when San Francisco is trying to be more aggressive about prosecuting drug dealers. The mayor's office has said so far that they're watching the situation and their strategy remains unchanged, trying to hold drug dealers accountable through the criminal justice system. It's really not what anybody, I think, who's working on these issues on the prosecutor side wanted to see happen. And definitely not something that the mayor's office would have wanted to happen either, I'm sure. Well, J.D., you mentioned that a progressive challenger hasn't emerged yet, but clearly Breed has some vulnerabilities here, as you mentioned. Could a bona fide progressive challenger emerge to capitalize on some of these vulnerabilities that she has? That is one of the big questions when it comes to the mayor's race right now. San Francisco, it's it's a liberal city overall. We're sort of divided here mostly into moderate liberal politics and progressive politics. And Breed is, is pretty firmly in the moderate camp. Typically, there is someone who's a progressive mayoral candidate. There's a limited bench of people who are in a position to actually go for it. A number of them, you know, are, have ruled it out for personal reasons, um, but that doesn't mean that no one's going to step up. One potential progressive challenger is Board of Supervisors President Aaron Peskin. Even though there's been a lot of speculation about his potential interest in running for mayor, he's been pretty firm lately that he does not want to do that. He told me, I know he's told other reporters the same thing, that he's saying he's focused on finishing out his term and then he's going to go back to civilian life. Another option is Assemblymember Phil Ting, who, you know, I think certainly could mount a challenge from Breed's left if he wanted to, but he has not said one way or the other if he's interested. So that is a big question mark as well. I would also say it's, it's not just about progressives. I think the race could get quite interesting if the field really expands and, and you see one or more people try to criticize the mayor from her right as well. Like anything is possible 
between now and Election Day. Well, speaking of that, you know, when Breed first won the mayor's job back in 2018, she did that with the backing of political moderates and pro-development YIMBY groups. Who do you think she has to speak to now? Is it the same groups or others, too? I mean, San Francisco's political landscape has just gotten so complicated. I think you'll see her try to reassemble, you know, much of the same coalition that got her elected to begin with. She has been pretty staunchly in support of the YIMBY movement, really supporting a lot of aggressive steps to promote housing development. She's really focused on downtown recovery, a central challenge for the city going forward, and the mayor's really focused on that. So I think you'll see her try to leverage that to, you know, woo some of the the support from the business community. But there are others out there as well. I think a, a big question for her and for everyone in the mayor's race right now is where the Chinese-American voters land when it comes to who they're going to support. For mayor, Asian-American voters played a big role in both of the recalls last year. They make up a a sizable portion of of the city, more than a third of city residents, and obviously a big share of the electorate then as well. We know that they're very concerned about public safety. There's been a lot of high-profile, violent incidents involving Asian elder victims. It remains to be seen where they land on this and who they support for mayor. If she's able to convince Asian-American voters in San Francisco that she's their candidate, that would be huge for her. Well, J.D., like you mentioned, 15 months until election. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more conversations until then. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. J.D. Morris covers Mayor London Breed and San Francisco City Hall for The Chronicle. Find his reporting online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. This episode was produced by Keith Manconi and edited by Gary Baca. Thanks for listening.